Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. Two weeks ago, when I featured the Ashland Theater's 71st celebration, they mentioned a monthly film series featuring films from 1948, the year they opened. And they've announced the films on the website, including The Red Shoes, Key Largo, Rope, and Easter Parade. They all play on a Monday with admission only 75 cents. There's a link to the full schedule on the page for this show at tvjerry.com. The first day on set, Tyler pulled me aside and said, I've been wanting to work with you. And I said, really? He goes, I saw you at the Laugh Factory one night. And I said, she's incredible. If she can act, I want her. That was Coco Brown talking about how she got hired by Tyler Perry. He and Ryan Murphy both saw her and cast her in their shows. Coco is a Newport News native whose career as a stand-up comic has blossomed into numerous outstanding roles in movies and TV series, including For Better or Worse and The Single Moms Club for Tyler Perry and The People vs. O.J. and 911 for Murphy. Right now, she's playing the principal in Peacock's The Big Door Prize. Sifter Review of the Week. The Beanie Bubble on Apple TV. Zach Galifianakis gets a chance to go dramatic for this pivotal role, and considering the character isn't very likable, he does a decent job, with some of his own prickly personality showing through. He plays Ty, a toy salesman who collaborated with three women to create the Beanie Baby phenomenon. When dealing with this powerful trio, he alternates between brilliant, charming, and diabolical. Elizabeth Banks is the smart first partner. Sarah Snook plays his love interest, and Geraldine Vishwanathan is the online marketing brains. They all turn in strong performances. While things start with a bright comic tone, it often veers into drama, especially when Ty gets frustrated. Overall, it's an incredible story of an entrepreneurial success tempered with the reality of the personalities involved. I gave the Beanie Bubble three out of five stars. So, Coco Brown, welcome to Sifter for the Ear. First question I got to ask you, your real first name is Farah. Were your parents yes. a fan of Farrah Fawcett? <laughs> no, you know, it's funny. Jolly's Angels wasn't even out when I was born. Oh, okay. My mother said that she saw the name in a book while she was waiting in the office when she was pregnant with me. Oh, okay. So she just thought it was a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. So you grew up in Newport News and mm -hmm. uh, you went to VCU. What was your plan? I know MassCom. What was your plan when you went to VCU for your career? What's funny is that I came to VCU with the dream of being a newscaster. Right. And I went into MassCom under the broadcast journalism window. And about junior year, I got really into advertising. So I changed over to the advertising department. And then you went on to get a master's degree in secondary education. Were yeah. you going to be a teacher? Were you going to be an advertiser? How did you end up in comedy? <laughs> well, I ended up in comedy because a friend of mine that I went to VCU with, Onyx Lithicum, he introduced me to a guy who owned a comedy club that said he was looking for female comics. Now, mind you, I had never planned on being a comic. I thought I was going to be wearing business suits, carrying a briefcase right. in a boardroom or something. When was this? This was 96, fresh out of college. Okay. And uh, met this gentleman who owned a comedy club at a barbecue. And Onyx had told him, like, I know this girl. She's really funny. And I'm like, I, I had no idea I was auditioning. I was just there at the barbecue. Oh, okay. And at the end of the night, he was like, you're really funny. You ever thought about doing stand-up? And I was like, no. But coming with, you know, I had a, I was a theater major, a minor at VCU. So I'd been doing theater since I was, what, 10 years old, musical theater, stuff like that. Sure. So on stage, I wasn't afraid of. So I said, well, I'll try it, you know. And the rest has been history. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, do you remember your first joke? Uh, yes. And it turned into 
actually one of the jokes that I've remixed a thousand times. Right. Um, I was in the, on stage the first time thinking I knew what I was doing because I had watched comedy shows and stuff like that. And the crowd was just looking at me like I was crazy. And I went into this whole spiel about y'all act like I need this job. I work for Ringling Brothers. And at the time, <laughs> I really did work for Ringling Brothers. Oh, wow. Different offices in Vienna, Virginia. And the crowd started laughing. And I said, no, oh, y'all laughing because y'all think I work for the circus. I ain't no clown. You know, and it just went from there. And I ended up meeting my mentor that night, uh, Darcel, the fat Dr. Blechman, who had mentored Martin Lawrence and Tommy Davidson, Dave Chappelle. There's a lot of you right, know, great right. cast that come out of the D.C. area. Footnote. Darcel Blackman, a.k.a. the fabulous fat doctor, was a comedian and mentor to many young comics, as she said. He met me that night and he said, you know, you discovered something tonight that it takes most comics five years to learn. And I said, what's that? He said, what's real is what's funny. Oh, OK. And he goes, I'd like to work with you. And he became my mentor up until wow. the day he died back in 2020. Wow. Now, you know, that's it's interesting because I've, of course, heard interviews with other comics through the years and so many of them bombed at the beginning. You were really lucky to just nail it right up front. I mean, I was bombing. I was bombing. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then I kind of freaked out, panicked and, and, and kept it real, as they say. I've been booed once in my career. It was at Texas Southern University, and I did not know that the artist Erica Badu went there. And I had an Erica Badu joke. And before I could even get the entire joke out, as soon as I said her name, they began to boo me. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Couldn't even finish my joke. Couldn't even finish yeah, my set. Yeah. So what would you say your style is? Obviously, it's very personal. Yes, very personal. At this point in my career, my set constantly changes and evolves because I constantly change and evolve. Right. Um, so I talk a lot about my life and my perspective of my life, of what I'm seeing in the world. You know, uh, I talk a lot about relationships and the dynamics between men and women. You know, I talk a lot about, you know, raising my son, you know, going right. from a married woman to a single mom and, you know, and, and, and threatening child support every day uh, <laughs> <laughs> well well you know it's it's better than it used to be back when there was just maybe just uh, wanda sykes but what challenges have you faced being a black woman in comedy i mean you know a lot of times of course it, it did I help just, that you had the doc up front and he was black so that kind yes, of yes yes you know fat doctor gave me a lot the one thing i loved about fat doctor is fat doctor didn't let me just be a black comedian oh good because, you know, you can be an urban comedian, a mainstream comedian, or you can know how to go in between both. And that's right. the one thing I can say that I give a lot of props to Doc for, because Doc made me do all my material in the beginning clean. Oh. And he said, this way you'll have TV friendly material. He said, once you master that joke, then you can season it up with a little bit of, you know, extra. You can get a little blue. Yeah, exactly. He <laughs> said, he said, the key is to have jokes that can go clean or dirt. Uh-huh. So that has helped me a lot in my career, and it's allowed me to do various uh, different genres of comedy, not just urban comedy. I can do mainstream comedy. I can do corporate comedy. I can do Christian comedy. Well, now, let's segue and pivot from the stand-up to suddenly you're getting TVs and movies. How did that happen? I've been doing musical theater since I was 10. I did my first play, which was The Wiz. I played Eveline. So right. I was doing musical theater, community theater. My mom put me in that because I was just this animated, very uh, imaginative child. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it was, it was a release for me. Even through middle school, high school, and even college, I did theater. So when I decided to become a stand-up comic, everyone was telling me that the natural progression is to be a stand-up, to get your own sitcom, to be in movies. You know, it was right, like right, sure. in the day. Now it's like, honey, just go viral on the internet. You'll be fine. There you go. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> so I got my first film. It was called Blue Moon. It was a student film from a guy named Xavier Jackson that was going to Howard University. He was doing a student film. That was my first little movie role. I did a lot of extra work on The Wire and The Corner. And then I was in the movie Head of State, uh, things that have been filming in the DMV area. And then during the course of me getting discovered when I did Showtime at the Apollo and signed with the Apollo management team, I was up for one of the, you know, uh, cast members of the Dave Chappelle sh show. Oh, wow. And in the process of that, that took me to LA where I ended up meeting with some people from a network. And back then they were giving development deals. And I had gotten a development deal with one of the major networks to come out and basically form something around me. Unfortunately, nothing ever happened. But what it did do is it got me in front of a lot of TV executives. So I'm that chick now that'll pop up on whatever your favorite show. Is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw you. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because I was going to ask you later if you ever were going to do the, obviously, Michelle Buteau. She's, yeah, blowing, yeah, up. Actually... She's blowing up right now. Now, it's the yeah, survival of yeah. the thickest. Footnote. Michelle Buteau is a longtime stand-up comic whose new series, Survival of the Thickest, is a hit on Netflix. It's interesting because she's a woman of color. She's a plus-size woman of color. And I thought, mm -hmm. well, hey, this could be your show. Well, you know, I auditioned for that show. Didn't oh, get really? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry I brought it up. <laughs> no, it's okay. Hey, it's the nature of the biz, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, didn't get that show, but I ended up getting a show called Big Door Prize on Apple TV. So... You know, didn't get snowfall, but got American Crime Story in 911. So, I mean, what's for you is for you. But exactly, um, me and her used to work together a lot on the college circuit, and she's definitely one of those very likable people in the business. So, yeah. her progression in the business is not surprising at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, good, good. Well, let's talk about, of course, one of the big things you did was you eventually got to work for the great Tyler Perry down in, mm -hmm. uh, in Georgia, for better for worse, and then the Single Moms Club. And I love that scene with you kissing Terry Crews with your hands <laughs> all over his bald head. That was hilarious. That was all improv. <laughs> I, fig I bet it was, and I bet they had to keep a straight face until the uh, until oh, they said cut. Me. Right? Yeah, it was it was bad. <laughs> yeah. So, how did you get into Tyler Perry's world? You know, it's funny. I always say, you know, one of my favorite sayings is stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Right. I literally was in a comedy club one night in L.A. doing what I do. Didn't know Tyler Perry was in the audience. Ah. So fast forward a year later, he comes out with the casting call for this show called For Better or Worse. That was initially supposed to be a complete remake of the Why Did I Get Married uh, movie. Right. And I ended up auditioning for the role of Sheila, which was played by Jill Scott. In the process of us waiting to hear what was happening with these auditions in, our, in the show, he changed the complete format to focus on two of the main characters from the movie instead of the entire movie as a conglomerate. You know what I mean? Right, right. So when I ended up getting the role of Jennifer, the first day on set, Tyler pulled me aside and said, I've been wanting to work with you. And I said, oh, wow. really? He goes, I saw you at the Laugh Factory one night. And I said, she's incredible. If she can act, I want her. Wow. And lo and behold, during that time, you know, I'm in acting classes. I'm honing my craft. I'm doing films and TV and commercials. It was just a moment that was meant for me. And I, I stayed ready so I didn't have to get ready. <laughs> cool. Great. Now, did, did you know he was in the audience that night? I had no idea. No you didn't idea. know until he cast you a year later? Until a year later, I had no idea he was in the club. Nope. Wow. And so that just goes to show, always do a good show because you never know exactly. who's out there watching, right? You never right. know. You never know. Now, let's talk about some of these other things because there's some interesting ones. Pussy Valley. Oh, excuse me. P Valley. <laughs> That's the real name of it. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> Footnote. Pussy Valley, or listed as P Valley, is a drama on stars about a Mississippi strip club. And I think it's a wonderful show. It's really pretty wild. Yeah, I, it was on my bucket list to do that show. Really, it was. It was, it was on my vision board. Why? 
Um, no disrespect to the great Tyler Perry, love him, but then, you know, Hollywood loves to put you in a box if you work for Tyler. Uh-huh, right, right. And I had done other things prior to Tyler. I had done things while I was working with Tyler and after Tyler. So I was looking for roles that would take me kind of far away from the character everybody knew me from. From that. Right, right. You know, I want people to see my range, wanted to see that I'm an actress. I'm not just a comedic actress. I'm an actress. I can do right. whatever you need me to do. So, and P-Valley is one of those shows that was so monumental and in, in all the messages and everything that depicts. And, you know, I knew that that was something I wanted to do because I always like to push the button and push the envelope. Well, and, you know, it's interesting because you, you talk about that. And, you know, I looked at your reels and, of course, I've seen you on TV, too. And and you do some wonderful drama. I mean, obviously, nine one one, you got to work on that. And that was a move to drama. How did you talk them into saying, hey, I can be serious with just an audition or? You know, I have to give a lot of credit to the late, great John Singleton. Footnote. John Singleton became known as a major director after his debut, Boys in the Hood, and later directed numerous films and TV shows. John had met me uh, some years ago in Bill Duke's acting boot camp, which was one of the most premier acting boot camps in L.A. I mean, Anthony Anderson went through there, Terrence Howard, Taraji P. Henson. Wow. You know, so to be able to be part of that boot camp of that lineage, it was an honor. And I met John Singleton there and I did my monologue that day and John pulled me aside and he said, you've got a lot of drama in you. Uh-huh. He goes, don't let anybody put you in a box. Fast forward many, many years later, I had gotten, you know, for better or worse, Single Moms Club was doing a lot of comedic stuff. He was casting for the show Snowfall. Footnote. Snowfall is a crime drama revolving around crack cocaine and co-created by Singleton. He said, I want coca. And he brought me in to read for a particular, I think it was the role of the main, of Franklin's mother. And um, went all the way to network, all the way to chemistry testing. And they liked me, but they didn't think I looked like I had been strung out on drugs enough. <laughs> <laughs> Have they ever heard of makeup? Hello. Right, you know, exactly. <laughs> so I didn't get that. But that same day when John called me and told me I didn't get it, he said, I'm doing this little show called American Crime Story. And I think that you would be perfect for one of the jurors that has a special kind of silent relationship with Johnny Cochran. He said, because Coca, you have an ability to, to act with your eyes. Ah. You can say so much with your eyes. And I need someone that can be speaking to him without saying a word. Footnote. American Crime Story was the Emmy Award winning series, The People vs. O.J. <laughs> And from there is how I got in front of Anthony Hemingway. I got in front of Ryan Murphy. Footnote. A quick catch up in case you've been living under a rock. Ryan Murphy is the creative force behind such shows as American Horror Story, Glee, 911, and American Crime Story. And when they came up with 911, it was told to me after we had shot the first season of 911 that Ryan Murphy literally asked for me. He said, Get me the girl that played Queen Bee. Wow. Those are great compliments to have those, you know, those amazing people do that. And, and of course, you got to work with Brian also, I guess, first on People versus OJ, which was mm-hmm. some heavy yep. duty working from you, too, obviously. So oh, he knew yeah. you could that handle was it. A, that was a nine months of no joke. I mean, it was <laughs> grueling, but I have to say it was like being in a master class you could not pay for. Wow. To watch Courtney B. Vance, John Travolta, Sarah, Sarah Pulse, Pulse right. Sterling K. Brown, Kenneth Choi, to watch them do what they do, you couldn't have paid for that masterclass if you if you wanted to. Well, now you said it was all serious. So when they ever called cut, were you ever like cracking a joke just to break the ice? Or, well, we or just... all were. We oh, all good. You know, me and John Travolta shared a couple of jokes together. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> 
Courtney B. Vance, I just love to death because, you know, of course, I work with his wife, Angela, on 911. Right, right, right. And he is such an incredible human being, you know, and, you know, and and Sarah Paulson was just so gracious and open when you, you know, talk to her. So, um, yeah, we crack jokes, but I also got a lot of got tutoring in there, too. There you go. That's wonderful. I did watch all and actually reviewed all of Big Door Price, which apparently there's going to be a second season because it's kind of up in the Oh, oh, you've already shot it. Yeah, we shot it. We got a call to come in for the second season before even the first season aired. Oh, wow. Wow. Footnote. In the Big Door Prize, which is now on Peacock, she played Principal Pat, whose life goes through some big changes. So tell me what the principal's going to do in season two. Well, I mean, she's she she's just messy. <laughs> <laughs> she is. There's no other she, way to describe it. Yeah, she's yeah. everybody's business. You know, she is just quirky you know it's so funny you know i played a principal and never have i ever i was going to mention uh, you seem to be playing principals a lot yeah, too. yeah. Like, hey sometimes you get that role honey that's that right are. that's right and their principal grubs and principal pat are so different right right principal grubs you know was based completely on my mother who was an educator for 34 years my mother kids loved her but she didn't play Principal Pat, she just, you have to ask yourself a couple of times, how'd she get this job? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. So did you actually get to ride a motorcycle? Did they have stunt people do that? Uh, no, I actually was on it, but it was like on a trailer being dragged, but I oh, was right. on it. Yeah, yeah, I was on it. You didn't have to drive it though. No. That's good. <laughs> no fun at all. Yeah, um, I would have crashed for real. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. You mentioned Courtney B. Vance's wife, Angela, as in Angela Bassett, and she's the star of 911. How was working with her? Um, I know right after we did 911, you know, and to have Angela Bassett, who's someone I just admire and respect so much, come up to me and tell me that what I bought to that show gave that show such a realness. Wow. And that people were going to feel very connected to me. And she didn't lie. Like there are literally, you know, Carla fan pages, like people love wow. Carla. you know, to have someone of her legendary status, right. give me flowers was amazing. Oscar um, winner. You know, I know Tyler, when we first started working on For Better or Worse, not even, you know, I think we were maybe four or five episodes into the very first season. And he pulled me aside and said, look, if you see something on this script that you think you can make funny, you do it. Whoa. Because <laughs> I trust your funny. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of trust to put in me to say you, you're you okay with me adding or subtracting right. or embellishing or whatever. So thank you for that. I've, I've had plenty of those. There's been some moments that, you know, uh, I have to put in the book one day. You oh, know, come on. Uh, and, you know, it's, 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 you know. You have to wait you know, for you, the book, huh? You know, you know, yeah, wait for the book. I don't want to throw anybody under a bus, but it's definitely been some situations where I'm like, Ooh, you're not a very nice person. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and someone, that's why sometimes it's so hard. You don't want to meet your idols because you meet them and they turn out to be jack butts and you're like, oh, wow. Like, uh, yeah, I yeah. wish I could have just kept the fantasy. I've had to deal with situations where I've been told you got the part and this, that, and the third. And right when I'm about to clear my schedule, they tell me, oh, my man, we changed our mind. You know, oh, Lord. it's been situations where people assume especially here in Atlanta, my quote is too high. So they'll have me audition, but then they'll take my audition tape and use that as a template to get somebody cheaper. Wow. (laughs) And I guess you can't stop it. 
No, because you don't even know you're auditioning for that purpose oh, until right. someone tells you, which I got told later on that, you know, a lot of these people, you know, they, they, they can't afford you, Coca, but they want you, but they can't afford you. So they'll use your audition tape and they'll say, OK, we need this, that and third based on what you did in the audition. I'm wow. like, what? it's flattering and insulting at the same time. You're right. And it's starting to reek of a little AI coming in there. Tell me about it. You can't get the real thing. So you get a bootleg. Exactly. So how do you balance between your stand-up, which obviously you've got to book those pretty far out. And then somebody mm -hmm. says, hey, we want you to be in this great TV show or this movie. How do you figure out, oh, well, I'm going to cancel the date or I can't take I the I mean, part? that's what happened. I mean, last year was absolutely insane for me. I was working on multiple projects while doing stand-up at the same time and taking care of two sick parents. It was oh, wow. insanity. Last year was even more insane because I literally was going from project to project, sticking comedy gigs in between. And some comedy gigs had to be you know, rescheduled or canceled. And that's how this business works. You can be on a high where it's just like you you almost turning down stuff. Right. And then it gets stupid quiet like it is right now during the strike where you're like, okay, so I guess I'll teach you something. <laughs> so what about some of these other shows like uh, you were Breaking Bad, you were in Happy Thanksgiving on Crackle. Is that something new that's coming out or? No, that's actually, um, Family Thanksgiving was actually the first movie I ever executive produced. Oh, wow. And I starred in it as well. I played the matriarch of the family. I've been getting a lot of those. I don't know if I'm, because I'm looking old or I just get <laughs> off the <of> old energy. <laughs> right, right. I'm getting a lot of matriarch. That was a, a, a very big learning experience for me. I had never EP'd a film before, and I have the utmost respect for producers. Oh, sure, I'm sure after you do that. And you've got two albums, if you call them albums anymore, I guess that's what you still call them. And you started merchandise. What's that all about? You got clothes and all kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like, you know, you gotta have multiple streams of income. I'm definitely part of that Warren Buffett club, okay? Yeah, okay. I have my Poshmark, which is in Coca's closet. People were always complimenting me on my clothes, and, you know, and being a plus size woman, a lot of times it's hard to find clothes that flatter us as well as fit. Sure. So I would get lucky. A lot of people would give me stuff and, you know, I'd find stuff. And then what I begin to do is I started Parchmark. I started this thing called Encoca's Closet that I would take either gently worn stuff, you know, as an entertainer. Once we get photographed in something once or twice, we can't wear it anymore. Sure. So I had really nice stuff that once dry cleaned, it's like brand new or I had stuff that um, still had tags on it because over the last few years, I've lost a lot of weight. So a lot of my clothes I can't wear anymore and they had tags on them. Yep. So I began to sell those at a discounted rate and I donated all the money to my charity, which is Wigs of Love, which is a lupus foundation to help find a cure. Wonderful. Well, bless you on that. That's great. And then of course the Coca Brown collection, which is something I got into during the pandemic. I started learning about CBD and realized all the benefits of it, you know, to an alternative, you know, way of uh, holistic medicine and um, started working on that, created Minty Toes, which is a foot cream because I love my heels and my feet hurt. Yeah. And the next thing I know, people were using Minty Toes on their shoulders and their knees and their backs. And it found out it was really good for fibromyalgia and lupus flare-ups. Then, of course, Coca's Cravables came out in the pandemic where, you know, I learned how to cook with CBD. Now you just got to add a little cannabis to that. It's there. You just oh, is it? You just have to clarify if you want clean or dirty. Oh, okay. Just like your <laughs> jokes, huh? <laughs> so what are your goals for the future? Where do you see yourself in five years? You're going to finally get your own show? Or are you happy doing everybody? I used to be so clear about where I'd be in the next five years when I got asked that question. Right now, I feel like I'm at a crossroads. 27 years, I have dedicated my mind, my body, my soul to this right. business. And I think, you know, uh, one of the most disheartening things about it all is that finding out that you're so disposable to oh. an industry that you love. Right. You know, this whole strike opened my eyes up to that. 
you know, to be told that, you know, oh, we're not giving you what you want. And we don't care if you starve in the process. I'm like, right. wow, like we're that disposable. So that's been kind of like, you know, an eye opener for me. I'm like, okay, maybe I want to go somewhere where I'm more appreciated, but I love this craft, what I do. I love it so much. My ultimate goal, I would love to be a showrunner where I create shows and work with the conception all the way to the inception to it being a projection. Right, you right. Know? And I've been doing a lot of writing, co-writing, um, helping my friends get their stuff ready. So, and then, you know, we're such a great time too, that the independent, the indie film is doing far better at some of these big budget films, you yeah, know? Yeah, well, all the streamers, they all need something. Exactly. They need content. I mean, right now, anybody can be a filmmaker thanks to Tubi. <laughs> right, right. Anybody. Yeah. Anybody. Yeah, My yeah. kid could make a movie right now. Yeah. So um, right now, I can honestly say I don't know. But I'm open to the universe to see where it takes me. It's cool. And you and actually, well, besides the fact your work, which is wonderful, but to hear, I mean, to have people like Ryan Murphy and Tyler Perry tell you that you're wonderful and want to work with you already, you know that something's going to happen. I pride myself in having a reputation that I'm easy to work with. I'm a professional and I come to play. There you go. Sebastian, horror time? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's my second horror film. Notice my third, two third. There was Biting Personalities, but that was like a comedy horror film. And then, of course, Sebastian, which is more of a psychological thriller. And that's a genre I would love to put my feet in more. You know, I love yeah. me and my son both love horror movies. Like we wait on horror movies. Those are the one movies we are breaking our neck to go to the theater to see. Uh, Speaking of which, one question I always like to ask everybody is what are you watching when you have some time to... Good Lord, I don't know when, have time to take a break from being a mother and an actor. Um, I'm really big on old movies. You know, I love to look at the old movies, like The Mahoganies, The Lady Sings the Blues, The Imitation of Life. When it comes to TV shows, it seems like every show I fall in love with gets canceled. Like, you know, I was a huge Queen Sugar fan. Uh -huh. Like my friends knew if you call her when Queen, Queen Sugar's on, you're going to get cussed out. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. of course, you know, I love, you know, P Valley and quiet is kept. I'm a news girl. I like to watch the news. Oh, you do. Well, I hope you're at least not watching Fox. Honey, I'm going to tell you something. My daddy always told me, get cool with the enemy so you know their moves. Oh, there you go. I, I, I watch Fox sometimes just to see what they're thinking, what they're plotting. I have another friend who does exactly the same thing. So yeah, there you mm -hmm. go. Well, Coco, I want to thank you again. This has been loads of fun and I can't wait to see what you're going to be in next. Besides the big door prize, who knows where I'll find yeah, you. Yeah, there's a BET movie coming out called Sisters that I'm in. I'm actually playing another matriarch. Uh, I'm playing a grandmother. They actually Oh age, my Lord. <laughs> they actually age me, but I really, you know, enjoyed playing that role because I literally was playing my mother and I had just lost my mother when I started. Oh, wow. So it was kind of very, it was very therapeutic for me. Oh, good, good. Well, this has been great. This is, conversation has been very therapeutic for me and gave me a few laughs. So I want to thank you again, Coco. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That was Newport News native Coco Brown, whose career as a stand-up blossomed into numerous outstanding roles in movies and TV series. There's a link to her website, NIMDB, on the page for this show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon. In theaters. After previews last week, it's officially here. TMNT, Mutant Mayhem, the new animated comedy version of the Mutant Ninja Turtles. Meg 2, The Trench, the sequel to the thriller involving a giant prehistoric shark with Jason Statham returning to lead the fight. Mobland, 
John Travolta plays a cop after a crime syndicate, which includes Stephen Dorff and Matt Dillon. Kokomo City, a raw documentary about four black trans sex workers. Shiva Baby. At a Jewish funeral service with her parents, a bisexual college student runs into her sugar daddy and ex-girlfriend. Dreamin' Wild. Walton Goggins and Casey Affleck play two friends who spend all their money to produce a record. What Comes Around. A young woman's love affair twists in dark ways. TV and streaming. Painkiller on Netflix is a fictional version of Dope Sick about the opioid crisis. The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart on Amazon Prime, based on the novel about a girl who goes to live with her grandmother, Sigourney Weaver, after her parents die in a mysterious fire. Zombieverse on Netflix, the latest Korean series set in yet another zombie outbreak. Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez solve a new crime, with Meryl Streep and Paul Rudd joining the cast. Reservation Dogs on Hulu, the third and final season for this unique show revolving around indigenous teens in Oklahoma. Heartstopper on Netflix, the second season of this series about two high school boys in love. Physical on Apple, Rose Byrne returns for season three as an 80s aerobics instructor. How To with John Wilson on Max. I forgot to include it in last week's openings, but his mini docs are unique, quirky, and fun. You can subscribe to this podcast on all the usual platforms, or you can visit TV Jerry, click on the podcast tab, and there's a link. Next week, we'll have another accomplished actor and longtime Richmonder, Daphne Reed. She's going to be joining as a host of Virginia This Morning on CBS 6, and she's got some great stories about her life in L.A., too. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.